Hello, friends. Welcome to an all-new episode of Heartfelt Consciousness. I'm your guide, Laura Bender. So today's guest is Alexa Spethel, and we discuss how yoga has transformed her life and how she's now using it to guide others through their journeys. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch up with you on the other side. The ladies. Oh. All right. So good afternoon, Alexis. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Um, so I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording and everything. So you've kind of relocated. Um, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but you've kind of mm-hmm. shift coasts on me. Yeah. Um, so you initially yeah. <laughs> you were located in um, the Bahamas for a while, and you had a studio yeah. space there, and you've kind of relocated to. Um, uh, LA that you mentioned to California. Yeah. So, um, yeah. How are you liking the West coast so far? Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I, I really love it. Um, you know, there's a really large yoga community out here and, um, spiritual community and just a lot to learn a lot of ways to interact with people. Um, and yeah, I really just appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never personally been out to that area, but I actually know a couple, actually a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago, I think I talked to another um, instructor that actually had her training at Yoga Works, which is kind of where that's oh, cool. centralized. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um, so mm. would you mind um, just kind of telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and then maybe your journey mm. with the different areas of yoga that you've encountered? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I. You know, I've studied a lot of different styles and types of yoga. So I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit in, yeah. in a minute. But um, I actually didn't start out that way at all. I think that that's a, a, a more and more common story that you kind of hear in this, in this space. But I was actually working in um, international development consulting. And that's really working in international development had been what I had wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and I kind of went that path and, and um, got my master's and got my dream job and all that good stuff. And then, you know, kind of hit that wall. And I was like, oh, not doing it for me. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not it's not actually working, which is very interestingly how yoga really came into my life. Because at that point, I, I'd say I was uh, maybe 24, 25. And um, I had been doing yoga on and off since I was about 18, but it, it never really meant, you know, anything to me. It was like just something that I did once in a while. And once I had finished, you know, with school and gotten this job and I was traveling all over the world and it was exciting. And instead I was, uh, instead of being really happy and feeling fulfilled, I was depressed. I had anxiety and I was anorexic and, um, just kind of felt like my life was, was falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started going to yoga more regularly. And interestingly, I kind of got into it for not the greatest reason, maybe. Um, and I, I don't mean that as a judgment. I mean it more as it wasn't the healthiest reason for me to get into it. Um, I At that point, like I said, I was probably, I, ha- I had at least disordered eating. Um, 
I'm not sure exactly what you would consider it, but I was eating about a thousand calories a day. Mm -hmm. And then I would go to the gym and I would do this crazy elliptical type machine and burn 700 calories. And then I would go to this heated power vinyasa class that was 75 minutes long and probably burn another thousand calories. And so, um, that's really why I was going was for not just for exercise, but to, to continue to lose weight and kind of maintain this ideal body that, uh, was very unhealthy, but that I, that I was fulfilling me or making me feel good enough in some way, but some really interesting things started to happen. (laughs) Um, the first interesting thing that happened and I'll never forget it was, it was like a dreary DC day in the winter where it gets dark at like five o'clock and it's like so depressing. And I walk out of yoga and there's no reason for anybody, you know, everyone's kind of like, you know, like doom and gloom and everything. Yeah. And I walk out of yoga and all of a sudden people are smiling at me. And I was like, this is weird. Do I like have something on my face or something? You know? <laughs> I, was like, I had no idea what was going on. And so I like, you know, I open my phone and turn it on reverse or whatever. And I'm like looking at myself and I'm like, okay, nothing in my teeth, nothing on my face. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And it happened with probably three or four people on that walk home. And I was like, oh, it dawned on me. I was like, something just changed inside of me that people are responding to. Yeah, your energy. And it was, it, it, but at that, like, at that time, I didn't know anything about energy. I didn't know any, you know, like now it's something we talk about, you know, we, there was no talk of any of this stuff. So I literally was, you know, this was probably eight years ago. And um, I just had no idea. So that, I, I will never forget that experience. I was like, oh my God, like something real just shifted. But the other real thing that happened with that practice is it was the first time that I actually began to connect into my body. There were no mirrors in the room, no anything. And I started to feel what it felt like to be in my body rather than look at my body and wish that it looked different. And that was a really powerful shift for me to start to have that connection. You know, I think we live in a world where it's like, we're tired, keep going. Like, I want to look this way. I want to this, I want to that. And it's like, we have sometimes a hard time or a long path to getting to a place where we have a deep respect for our body and not just a respect for all that it does for us, but for this constant communication that it's having with us and that there's so much wisdom and so much for us to learn if we slow down and we listen. And that took me a really long time, but that started with, with that. And so at that point, I decided that I was going to um, do my teacher training and I did my 200 hour in vinyasa. Um, and then I also did a couple of trainings in yin. Um, and I, I taught that for a few years. I moved to the Bahamas and I taught that. And then I really felt that I hit a wall. I was like, I know I've heard of all these promises of yoga, of union, of, um, of, you know, increasing our consciousness of, um, of being more loving, like of all these things, but I wasn't feeling that promise. I was still feeling like I was guiding people through, you know, a set of exercises and they were feeling better and moving their body and moving energy, but something was falling short for me. Mm -hmm. And my teacher who had led the initial teacher training was a Dharma yogi. And she said, you know, I, I emailed her and I was like, would this training be for me? She's like, well, look, you know, look it up, do some more 
uh, research and I did, and, um, I ended up studying under Sri Dharma Mitra. I did, um, my 500, 700 and a thousand hour with him. And, um, for anyone who doesn't know about him, if, if you're ever in New York and you can go see him or, um, just look him up, he's, um, he's now 82. He is, um, from Brazil and he is probably the only person that I've come across in my life that I would say has, um, is an enlightened being. Um, and the reason that I ended up taking this training was, I mean, he literally, if you see those yoga posters with like all the different poses on them, Mm -hmm. um, he was the original person that did that. And he can do the most insane things, you know, stand on his head with no arms on a subway grade at, at, you know, 80 years old, but it's just not about that. And the title of, or the name of the training is called life of a yogi. And, and that resonated with me so deeply because these trainings were about like, yes, you're going to learn advanced pranayama techniques, you know, meditative techniques, um, psychic development, yoga nidra, all of these things, as well as some of the asana practices. But, but really we can't get attached to anything and not even to our practice. That's what he says. And, and this is really about learning how to live like a yogi. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing on the mat. Like what purpose is it serving in your life? And his whole message is ahimsa and compassion for all living beings. And, um, and that just resonated so deeply with me of, I don't want to just go through the physical postures. Like if I'm doing them, then let them be a vehicle for something else. Like let them be a vehicle for transformation, for consciousness, for, love for being this type of human being in my life, you know, and showing up in that way. And, and, um, I still teach Dharma. I still love Dharma. I still everything, but really what that school of yoga or lineage has taught me is, um, is how am I being in my life? And I think really that's ultimately, that's, that's what this is all about, you know? Um, so that was the bulk of my trainings. I then got really into yoga nidra as well. Mm-hmm. And um, most recently um, did a training in traditional tantra katha, which um, is all about the ways that we use energy to create intended effects. But it's also about um, really integrating the very human life with the very spiritual life. And, and how, do we, how do we meet in the middle with that and live both? So it's, um, that was a lot. I know I just, thought a lot. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I love really it. I'm like, I'm like, forever, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like wondering, wondering if I want to ask another question or maybe you're just going to elaborate more, but, um, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, that's a wonderful, that's a beautiful journey. And, um, I'm, I'm sure that it's also going to inspire just some other listeners to kind of just maybe take the path a little bit further to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so as part of your authorings, um, so you're actually part of this other community and you, we kind of talked about it this beforehand that initially it was kind of, um, for geared towards women, but mm-hmm. you're kind of shifting that a little bit, um, mm-hmm. like healing and transformation. Um, a call, it was a Huma was the name of that. Yeah. Huma, Huma rising. And mm-hmm. so what actually inspired you, um, to provide this kind of content and, uh, available to, um, people, students, uh, women, men, yeah. whoever. Yeah. So, um, so 
Humorizing is an app and community for um, deep subconscious healing and transformation uh, with community and, and accountability. And so actually the CEO and founder is one of my best friends and um, we've been best friends since I think seventh grade. And we went through a lot of uh, trials and tribulations together. Um, We both had quite severe depression in high school, um, anxiety. And then while I was battling with anorexia, she had been battling with bulimia. Um, And this is why we actually originally started it for women was we kind of, we see a lot of people struggling with a lot of those same things, but, but beyond that, what I look around and see a lot is it's not that anything is like so bad in people's lives. Like I have air quotes going, you know, right now. <laughs> um, that's what sound when I'm like, so bad it's air quotes. Um, it's that I, I sense this kind of discontent and disconnection. And I think one of the really good things about COVID is I think that we've just begun to become more honest about that, you know, and look at like, like what, what do we actually do with that? You know, if we look at it from a more spiritual tradition, you know, uh, Buddha says life is suffering, you know, this is kind of what it is. And, and, but, but, but to counter that, right, we can use these techniques and things to come to a deeper state of contentment and equanimity, right? That's really what these practices are about. Life's going to have the highs and lows. Like we we can't really get away from that. That's the suffering that's present and also the beauty, but we can come to a place and awareness within ourselves behind that, where we're still okay deep inside of ourselves, despite all of that. And so I just went a little bit off track with that, but what I was saying is that she decided to start this. She was like, I, she's, very knowledgeable about and very deeply passionate about yoga nidra in particular. And it's really what, what kind of saved her from a lot of these things, um, from the depression and, um, and helped her get through eating disorder. And so when she asked me to come on board, you know, I'm obviously, I had a studio, I was teaching full time. I'm a life coach. This is, this is what I do, right? This is what I love. And she said, you know, we can really reach more people. We can make this more accessible. A lot of these things, especially life coaching, they have higher price points. They're not as accessible. And so what we really look at is like, how do we integrate these really powerful practices with community, right? To help with like the isolation, the disconnection that a lot of us are feeling and the accountability measures that, you know, a life coach or a health coach would bring. How do we integrate all of that so that really we're able to do this work that is so individual and that we have to do on our own. There are parts that like nobody can go in there for us, right? Or with right, us yeah. on certain parts. But how do we do that work also in a community where when we come out and we hit these stumbling blocks and like if you're really seriously doing this work, like it, they're gonna there come points that are really freaking hard. Like, I don't know how else to say it and really confronting and really challenging. And so how do we do that with support? How do we feel supported through it? How do we feel like we're not alone? How do we feel accountability for the moments that we don't want to do it? Or we don't, you know, we just, we want somebody to do it with us, um, to the extent that they can. And so that's really what, um, what we've built. We're actually, creating the second uh, version of the app right now, which is going to have all of these accountability features um, 
integrated into the app. So you can ask a friend to join with you. You can create your own challenges just between you and your friend. You can join ones that are going on. You can take pre-specific paths that are a path for self-love or a path for um, intuition or a path for connection or whatever it is, right? Um, Because the other thing that we're working on is integrating clean and toxic free living. That's also been a huge part of each of our journeys. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's why I, well, that's kind of about what it is, but really because it's just mirroring, uh, elements of each of our journey and what we wish we had as we were going through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of touching on uh, yoga nidra a little bit as mm-hmm. well, and I've had a couple guests that I've just kind of had spoke about their experiences. Um, mm-hmm. This is actually a practice that I also hold kind of close to myself. Yeah. Um, so how has this uh, impacted your life? So yoga nidra is such um, it's such a unique practice to me. Like I really have a a love and a respect for so many practices, so many traditions, so many techniques. This is one that's very special to me. Um, both as a practitioner and actually as a teacher. Yeah. And I think I'll just say really quickly as the teacher first, I found that meditation itself is, can be very challenging to get into. And I think especially for a lot of Westerners who didn't grow up with this type of uh, technique, who we live in a very sort of like rajasic uh, society. It's like very action oriented, very like movement and very achieving, very, you know, more, more growth, all this stuff. And so I think that the idea of sitting down and meditating, what I hear more than anything is like, I'm not good at it. I'm just not good at it. You know? Um, this is just part of it. This is part of, of developing a meditative practice, right? It's just, it's a stage that you go through before Mm -hmm. you connect into the awareness behind and everything. What I love about yoga nidra, um, from a teaching standpoint is that it is so accessible to people. I have found that there are students time and again, who you, so we do the practice of yoga nidra to reach the state of yoga nidra, which is a state of they you know describe it as as wakeful sleep but but literally it's an altered state of consciousness our mm-hmm. brain waves are are slowing down we're in the subconscious mind but we literally can go into other dimensions into yeah. other places sometimes we're like i have i hear all the time I know I wasn't asleep. I have no idea where I just went. I'm like, yeah, they just went yeah. off literally Someone into actually, another One of my students dimension. actually just told me that uh, recently. I, I taught it kind of at the end of a just another class. And she's mm-hmm. like, I astral plane somewhere. Yeah. And it yeah. had like a whole nother experience. She was like, that was incredible. Yeah. And she even yeah. told me about like similar, uh, something else that had happened. And I think, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, she, she mentioned that, um, she was having memories of something and I'm like, well, maybe that was the past life. I mean, you know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of, yeah. Yoga Nidra does some, some awesome, awesome things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, these states can be reached through meditation, but mm-hmm. for an advanced practitioner, right. Yeah. With Yoga Nidra, um, which for anybody that doesn't know is, is, it would feel like a lying down guided meditation. So you're in the position of Shavasana generally, um, your eyes are closed and it would, and the 
facilitator or the teacher would be talking through the whole time. There might be spaces and things like that, but it would feel like a meditation if you didn't know the difference. Um, but, but it is a very specific type and, and, and does something slightly different. It actually, generally speaking, puts you into a slightly slower brainwave state than a, than a general meditation. Um, but absolutely. I believe that we are astral traveling. We're going into different dimensions. We can, it doesn't mean every time. And my experience, which I do Nidra almost every day. And, uh, I have different experiences all the time, right? Like, I don't know what I'm going to get when I go in, you know, Yeah. but, uh, it's really powerful from that perspective. I think that for me personally, what it's done is that it's very interesting because, uh, the, the style of meditation that I seem to resonate the most with these days, um, is, is more of the traditional Tantra Katha, which basically uses, um, different pranayama, depending on what your intention is and and where you're going to hold the concentration and where the Kriya meditation is, but then to lead into like a, a Kriya meditation, then it might put some mantra in, and, and I really get into a zone. I really get into like a, but it's a very clear, very, um, like it feels almost like a, a pure consciousness type feeling mm-hmm. in yoga nidra. The feeling that I get, it's the practice that I do when it literally, the way I describe it is it feels like an internal retreat from the world. It's like, sometimes I go completely off into a different place <laughs> Sometimes I'm still like, quote unquote, here, but, and I know the outside world is happening because I might hear a sound or I might, whatever, but I feel so deeply at home in myself and in whatever this inner space is that it just feels like I can come back there again and again and again and again, and I'm home and I'm here with me. And so I think for me, like that is the biggest thing that it's done, um, is it's just that space where it, it is my homecoming. I know that if I, if I just lay down and do the practice, I get to come back, you know, I get to come back to myself again and again and again. And just having that, I think in general, in, in life, in, in the world, in this world, um, during COVID during like, you know, just the craziness of all of this. Like, you know, what, what more could we ask for, right? To have a space that feels safe, that feels, um, that feels connected, that feels, um, with ourself in like the sweetest way, you know, um, not, not in the scary ways that sometimes we have to be with ourselves, but just in a really sweet way. Um, yeah, that's what the practice is for me. That's beautiful. Uh, Yeah. I, um, yeah, even last year during the heart of kind of like that meat of, of COVID, I guess you could say, um, you know, I was just going through, I mean, many people might've been going through this, the same kind of, maybe they kind of are like, what do I do now? Cause there was that uncertainty Mm -hmm. that was floating around all over the Mm -hmm. place. And, um, it brought me back to that practice a little bit, just kind of dive into it a little bit more. And I really got to feel at peace. It, it helped mm-hmm. me through a lot of grieving process and absolutely, um, yeah, it really brought me to a, a better place. I think after I practiced it a lot more and connected with it more. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So when you think back maybe to last year, uh, what do you feel is the most valuable lesson that came out of that? 
Oh, I'm like, Lord, I'm still processing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are in some ways. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I think we're going to get still, the lessons like 10 still, years from now. Yeah. You know? We're still like, digesting a lot of it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. It's funny. It's funny because as I've thought about this question, I've given it a lot of thought over the last few months, you know, year it's, it actually seems to kind of always be evolving for me. Yeah. Um, because something new comes to light and I'm like, Oh, I need, I, I needed that to happen for me to see that I needed that to happen for me to understand that, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think the one that is coming that came to me at the beginning that has stayed with me. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll say that lesson is, um, is the lesson of control. Mm. Um, you know, I, uh, I joke, but I'm also kind of serious <laughs> when I say, when I say like, I, I think that what COVID showed so many of us is like, we're all kind of control freaks. It's just that some of us knew already knew before that, that we were control freaks. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that knew, you know, <laughs> um, and, and had been doing a lot of a lot of work on, on relinquishing or trying to relinquish my need for control, you know? Although I, I feel that it's a very, um, it's a very human thing when we talk about control because control is ultimately about feeling safe. It's ultimately about feeling secure. That's why we try to control things, right? That's why we feel so uncomfortable with uncertainty because if it's uncertain, then how would we prepare for it? How would we plan for it? How would, Mm -hmm. how would we be able to feel safe and secure, you know? So when I, when I joke about, you know, control freak, and I throw that word out there, I, I really do mean that with deep compassion because I understand why, you know, I understand why we, we want to feel some sort of control or some sort of certainty over things. But I think that, um, the, what COVID really showed me and, and I'm, I'm, uh, going to talk about this from another place a little bit is at the end of the day, ultimately, and, and maybe intellectually, we know this, even if we have a hard time processing it, nothing's certain, nothing, right. nothing is in our control, right? Yes. There's things control in our control, how we respond to things, how we react, but not in the way that I'm talking about of, of this larger existential thing of, of our inherent safety, our inherent security. Um, you know, I think that we want to believe that we have kind of some say over how this all goes down. And, um, and, and when I'm in the times that I'm really honest with myself, it's like, well, I, I don't actually, I don't actually believe that we do, you know, I don't, I don't know that we do. So I think that the biggest lesson for me was just, it was learning to honor and to balance the fact that as human beings, we need a certain level of security and safety and we have to honor that. Like if we don't feel safe enough, enough, right? Safe mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. not, not inherently safe, safe enough. It can really be disruptive in our life. Yes. And also we hold that in balance and, and with the fact that ultimately we can't say how this is all going to go down. Like that safety is also somewhat of an illusion. And so it's like, how do we balance those two things? 
Um, and so that's really been what I've been working with over the last uh, year. I think my spiritual beliefs have really helped me with that. I know that nobody can force themselves to believe anything spiritually. I, I didn't for most of my life. And then that changed within, you know, the last few years. And I'm also not telling anybody to, you know, to go out and be like, well, adopt this belief or that belief because it is what it is, right? It's not good or bad. It just is. But for me, it's just helped me. It's helped me to step back and be like, I'm not in control of any of this. So I might as well relax a little bit. And, and coming from somebody who is so type A, you know, has had so much stuff around control. Um, and, and still I have stuff that like comes to the surface and I'm like, oh God, there it is again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's multi-layered, but, um, the, the shocking thing to me through it has been like, it's actually a little bit relieving. It's like, oh, if I, if I'm not in control, it's not all my responsibility. Like I don't have to, yeah. like, I don't, it's not all on me. I don't have to like be so worried all the time about everything. And there has come such a relief with that. It doesn't mean I don't get scared or anxious or work myself up in, in certain day-to-day situations or, right. you know, that's just, that's, you know, for me, that's just, that's stuff. That's just karma that's human running nature. off. Like it just, it just yeah. is, you know, it, it's our being, but, um, but it's gotten easier. It's gotten, life has gotten lighter. Um, and, and I really attribute a lot of that to COVID because I think it, yeah. in a, in a way, if we're willing to surrender a little bit, it, it kind of forced our hand, you know, for, for anyone who is willing to kind of to open up and be like, all right, what, what are the lessons here and work with that? And, and, um, I, I will say, I feel for anybody that's doing that because working with these really deep, scary, kind of like fundamental existential things, it's, um, it's challenging work. It's really challenging work to face that stuff. And, um, and, uh, and it doesn't go away all at once. I don't know if it ever goes away all the way. You know, I've, I've stopped worrying about whether it does or not, you know? Yeah. I think we have to, to kind of, um, also just again, avoid a lot of the suffering that's not necessary. You know, we're creating it on our own. If we're just going to continue to with that whole cycle of things and yeah, Yeah. we don't need it. We don't need it. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So I think that's been the biggest lesson for me this year, at least, at least the one that I can see right now. <laughs> I'm sure there yeah. will be more. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. It's like I get over one hump and then something else comes up, but yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. part of life, right? We just kind of move along, go with the punches, go with the flow of things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I really, you know, I want to appreciate, thank you so much again for uh, coming on with me and just having this discussion, this talk, this conversation. Um, I really enjoyed um, just speaking with you. So thanks again oh, for your time and energy today. Thank you so much for having me. It's just, um, just an honor to be on. Thank you. All right. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have Take a good care. one. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoyed this conversation with Alexis. So don't forget to share, review, and subscribe. Be well, my friends.